Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So our new question for this season is Slumber Party, what was your movie? Jaws. Oh my gosh. We just <laughs> what? <watched> Jaws. <laughs> Why? Like all of them. Like, <laughs> are you okay? What? No. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Crush the Podcast brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Kirsten Lyons and I'm joined today by not my cousin and not my co-host, but she is named Erin. So things are going to get crazy. As you all know, my cousin and co-host Erin is in the woods. So um, we invited one of our favorites from season one, Erin Noel. She is here. Um, What do you want to talk about? Because I Um, have an idea, but it's kind of a downer (laughs) that I don't know. (laughs) Oh, I am recording. Good. I was like, oh, damn. I wish I was recording right there. But first, I just want to let you know, This episode coming up is amazing. Justina um, is who we have on today. She's the mother of four, guys, four quadruplets. Um, Her story is incredible. We talk a lot about grief and loss. We laugh a lot. Some of her answers to MASH questions are just really, really unique and funny and not anything that I expected or nor Aaron. Can I stop you for one second? She has four babies from the same pregnancy or she has, whoa. She had surprise quads after a pregnancy loss. She got pregnant with four babies. Okay, I can't wait to hear her story. (laughs) It's amazing. It's just a really beautiful episode, kind of how she has two crush moments that kind of interweave. And I will be honest, we do cry a good bit, but we also laugh a ton in this episode too. I'm so excited she's our first guest for the second season. Um, Okay, wait, before I hear your your sad and depressing (laughs) idea, I wanted to read, uh, a lot of times we read reviews, but sometimes we get really amazing DMs. Okay, so we got this message during the summer hiatus. It's so good. Um, okay. sh- my friend Christy posted about your podcast yesterday, and I thought it sounded right up my alley. As someone who has always crushed hard and had to learn some tough lessons about life not turning out as planned. Then I go to your mm-hmm. show list and see that one of you is married to one of my old intense crushes. I had to share that I worked in the kitchen at Frontier Ranch in 1998 and I had it bad for Bradley who was washing the dishes. Did I ever say two words to him? Nope. Life is so funny. And she actually sent a picture, but it went away. Her name is Kim Westerman. Um, So Kim, can you send me that that picture again? Um, And I asked her if I could share it. And she said, yes. She said, tell him I said hi. And that I have zero expectation that he would remember me. I pulled out my scrapbook yesterday. Only remembered a handful of us. That is so funny. Isn't that so so cool? (laughs) And also Bradley's awesome. So, well, it's also so funny because how she found us, it has no way to do with Bradley. It's not like it's like, one of Bradley's friends from high school or college or whatever. So I just- <laughs> I will never forget. I have a great story about Bradley. I knew he was like marriage material for you when he started prancing like a goat. <laughs> yeah, where like the goat like jumped into the room. Guys, I'm dating myself because this is like before social media. This oh is like, gosh. this is like- I know exactly. YouTube days. Yes. And Bradley was like imitating this goat in our living room like bouncing through our bedrooms and I was crying laughing we were all crying laughing like this guy this is Kirsten's got a winner she has got a winner do you remember really quickly I think I have a video of it too I'm gonna have to find it please 
I was also thinking about, I don't, okay, really quickly, if you haven't listened to um, Aaron's episode from season one, uh, we, we were roommates for about a year and a half. And, yeah. um, and <laughs> do you remember when he got so mad at me because I shrunk his sweatshirt? He was like sassy with me. And Bradley's a very <laughs> kind person, but like, yeah, he, he's definitely worked through some things in therapy. And stuff. So he like Deanna, our old roommate, Deanna and Aaron just both like <laughs> quietly excuse themselves. Cause I don't know why we were all hanging in our, no, we were hanging in the living room. I think. Cause I was folding laundry. Yeah. I felt really bad. I had done his laundry cause we were like yeah. the only apartment in LA that had washer and dryer in unit. It was, it was incredible. Elite. Except it was that elite. dryer ate all of my bras, which I was really, upset. we got a new one after so you moved out. We got oh, really? One. Well, good. Cause yeah. I ate my favorite t-shirt bras. <laughs> it was like, these were cotton bras. You were allowed to dry, by the way. I don't usually dry my bras, but I remember like we talked about it and I said, Hey, I really didn't like the way you talked to me there. Like, I understand you're really upset, but they're like, so we had this whole great conversation and then he apologized to you guys. Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> it was really sweet. I, there was a, there was a, that apartment. I, I walked through a couple of relationships with friends who ended up marrying the guys that they dated while in that apartment <laughs> you being the first one and then we had another roommate Emily who also married and I felt like we would always be in the midst of these couple arguments but like they were all figuring it out and it was like okay I'm gonna leave now <laughs> oh my gosh I've been in the middle of people's I remember one time I was driving this girl and her husband they got married really young and so really yeah. just they just didn't have the tools to argue and to have good discussions. And then we, I want to hear what your sad story is you want to talk about or whatever. But, um, and we were driving down the freeway and they were yelling at each other. I was taking them to LAX. They were yelling at each other because he got a really bad, like, uh, speeding ticket and he didn't tell her, but she opened the mail and she found it. And they were having just like this knockdown drag out fight. And I had known her from like childhood. We swam together on a swim team and it was so uncomfortable. And I just remember saying to both of them, Hey guys, you guys definitely need to talk about this, but you're a, you're in my small Toyota Corolla. And um, can we do this? Or I said, can we do this? Can you do this later? Like, we're going to stop talking about it. Because they were like getting more and more heated and yelling. And I was like, you're like, is- I'm starting to sweat. I don't know. Right. I was so uncomfortable. And I just was like, can I, I'm not, stop, please. I'm not a marriage th- and family therapist. And they, oh, because they put me in the middle. They were like, well, what do you think here? So I was like, ah, oh, no. yeah. You know what? I feel like that is such a thing we did in in our twenties because I definitely did that to you with my sister. I've like, I definitely like, I feel like I got mad. I got so mad at you on Halloween. You guys are fighting after you talking about West Halloween. I was like, no, we are done. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, your emotional health unravels when you become an adult. Like you either Mm. were taught really great emotional health and Mm. boundaries and how to work things out as a kid and you're super healthy or you're not. And then it unravels and then you go back to the patterns of your family. So instead of turning to your mom and your dad, you're like, Hey, roommate, friend, number one, (laughs) what do you think about what's going on? I'm right. Right. Oh my God. I, I feel like I, yes, all of that. Like you are checking like, I realized when I started to go to Al-Anon, how many things, how many patterns I was doing from my childhood that were like, oh, this is not healthy. But yeah, you know, it's, yeah, all that. Okay, go. You want to talk to us? That's sad. What do you want to talk about? That's sad. So I was just reflecting on some of my poor choices. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So one of the things that I used to always be very ashamed of, but not so much anymore, but I was reflecting on just how I never finished school. 
<laughs> like I never finished college and I was super bummed about it. And I was this because wanted- you just saw somebody from college outside. Um, I was reflecting on it actually last night when I woke up at two in the morning, stressing out about something else. But um, one of the girls that I used to nanny for just went to college. And so I was just checking out her school calendar. She showed me like her dorm. And so I started reflecting on like my personal experiences. Then, as I told you earlier, I ran into this girl that I, um, that I went to school with when I went to like three different schools for, you know, semester or two and tried it and it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. but I think looking, I think the downer part of the conversation is more so when we look back on our life, like I can see whether it's emotional health, financial health, or just general being parented where my parents haven't fully set me up for success. And I was kind of grieving that this morning um, mm. And realized just another point of like unforgiveness in my heart towards my parents on things that they should have done and didn't. Wow. That's probably a whole other episode. That but- is probably a whole other episode. Yeah. You know, I know I reference Al-Anon a lot, but they talk about an Al-Anon. Um, they were doing the best they can with what they had. There's a lot to unpack on this. And I, it's interesting because we are about to hear a story of a girl who had a, her, she lost her father and their relationship was so rich. And mm-hmm. but she talks a lot about how he will always be that age when she lost him. Like he, as, as she ages mm-hmm. and she's making decisions, I don't even want to, it's so good. And you know, I, to listen. it's a really, really good. I, I just, I'm in awe of her honestly, but, and her vulnerability and honesty. And she's just really awesome. But I, I think that there's, I don't know. I, I, I kind of want to go deeper in this. Hey, it's Kirsten. So we do go deeper. Aaron and I just kept talking and we talked about some awesome stuff. And I just decided to keep it all and put it on Patreon because it was way too much for the intro. So head on over there. It'll be over there in a few days. Oh, also stay tuned for Justine a Cop. So hello. And today's show, we have Justine she is a stay-at-home mom living in the Twin Cities, Minnesota, with her husband, Matthew, and their quadruplet toddlers. Guys, quadruplet. That's four. Four toddlers. I just, I really want to, like, drive that point home. Toddlers, four of them. She's a 2013 graduate of the University of St. Thomas, where she studied Catholic studies and biology, and she currently serves on the advisory board for the Center for Catholic Studies. Justina will begin studies toward earning a master's degree in marriage and family therapy this fall at St. Mary's University of Minnesota. Welcome, Justina. Thank you for having me. Um, Okay, before we get started... We usually in season one, first of all, have you, have you listened to Crush the Podcast? Every single episode. Really? Oh, oh yeah. Except for whatever your most recent thing Who was. A, 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 pet, a Patreon? A Patreon? <laughs> the Patreon um, oh, I'm not a, I don't know if I am. It's fine. Um, it's fine. We're not bitter. It's fine. I can't keep track of all the things that I subscribe to. And of course. A problem. Um, Those okay, subscription really? things are dangerous, though. Like I realized for the past three months, I've been paying for CBS All Access. <laughs> what? It did the same problem after the Harry and Meghan interview. Yeah, I just you forgot up. to cancel Paramount. I was like, oh, oh, that interview was so good. We have we already have a child. Is oh, that a one of the quads? That's one of, hold on a second. Okay, I'm excited. Cora? 
Yes, honey. I really hope that it's going to be like one of those NBC News things where at one point they all just like- The little one. That like little faces just like appear. All of them together could push that <laughs> fireproof safe out of the way. The I love you have a fireproof safe on the, the door. door. The lock doesn't work properly and my husband works from home full time. So. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Okay, so before we go any further, mm-hmm. last season we asked a very important question to all of our guests. And I don't want to like take that away from you, the, the, the gravitas of that question and the, but we're actually, we're moving things a little bit different this season, but because you now have told us that you watch every episode, we would like to know in sync Backstreet Boys or do you have a write-in? Okay, I'm gonna stick with the original, but then I will offer also a write-in. Hmm. So in sync for sure. Thank you. 1000%, I got Thank you. Um, no strings attached as a birthday or Christmas gift as a third grader and okay, it was well, like I was a freshman a big, in college but it's fine. okay but it's it was fine. like a very big deal to my little third grade self and then my parents were like listening to the lyrics and I remember my dad being like Justina we might have to take this away and I was like no <laughs> wait was that the nope. album with digital get down I think so <laughs> you know who gave the best birthday gifts were Friends your age that had older sisters, they yeah. always gave the coolest gifts. Yeah, because they knew. Yeah, I'm the oldest, so I definitely relied on. There's a big middle school trip where you go to Potomac Mills. And Potomac Mills, it's in Virginia. It's like 40 minutes away from my parents' house. And it's like the outlet mall, but it's like a huge outlet mall. And your middle school, like teen club trip. And I went with them and I was like, helping them like the, all their friends like the cool girls wanted to hang out because here comes this like older girl um and I, I probably had no idea what I was doing fashion wise but you know kids that were eight and a half years younger I knew what I was doing did you escort them around the wet seal that's there there used to be a oh, wet, wet seal, seal. <laughs> wet seal and there was I, what was the other one that was like the same as that I got I think it wasn't wet seal I think it was there was like a was it five, six, nine or something? Five, seven, nine. Five, seven, nine. I yeah. got, they like sponsored a thing in college that um, was like a, a charity fashion show. And I wore a denim jumpsuit with a zipper and a belt. And then they, I could buy it like on wholesale or something. And I rocked that thing for, I am sad I don't have it anymore. <laughs> I rocked that for way too long. It would be so cool now. I know. It would be so cool now. I know. Okay. I know we've got a time limit. Erin's got street sweeping today. She's got to go. All right. So, so our new question for this season is slumber party. What was your movie? Like, what was the movie you watched over and over? Okay. I'm excited. Cause you just laughed so much. <laughs> Jaws. Oh my gosh. We <laughs> watched Jaws. <laughs> Why? Like all of them. Like are you okay what no I'm very I have like a very macabre like it just you're gonna learn a lot here uh, I really yeah. thought we were going for like high school musical yeah. <laughs> she's my, the man my high school oh she's the man yes definitely oh. I loved that I loved that movie so much um gosh what were the other what were the other no no we need yeah. to leave it at the shot eating everyone and blood there was there was this neighbor that lived two doors down from me and we would have some we would have sleepovers like every other night in the summer Uh and we were just watching jaws over and over again (laughs) and then we'd fall asleep watching it like any of the various ones and then you'd wake up in the middle of the night to like (laughs) 
Just screams. <laughs> body, like fake body parts. Yeah, I've never said that out loud to anyone. This is, wow, this is totally That's new one of my favorite things about the show is when someone's <laughs> like, I've never told that story or I've never said anything. <laughs> That's all like props to Aaron. This was like, we were trying to decide what was going to be our... Um, our question for this, like yeah. the opening question. So that's all Aaron. Um, so thank you, Aaron, because that Anytime. was amazing. I feel like it's such a personality question. That's why I started asking people the like, what was your high school breakup song? Because mm. I feel like it's such a personality, like you find out so much about people. Yeah, totally. Fair enough. Uh, okay, so what was your mash? Uh, mansion, apartment, shack, or house when you were about 12? It was either mansion or apartment and I could not choose between the two. And here's why, because even to this day, when I see a new apartment building going up, I have this like very deep sense of like envy or FOMO or whatever, because I'm like the amenities, like the things that they have in there. It's like a, it's like a community within a community. Mm-hmm. And I just live in a, a house, you know, and I, I provide my own amenities. So I just, I have this thing about apartments. And whenever a friend is like, I'm moving to this new apartment. I'm like, I can't wait to go visit because <laughs> I just want to see what they have. Like a That's really hotel. funny. That's really funny. I, you know, we live in a new apartment built like apartment complex and it's the first Ooh. time I've ever lived in something like it. And we do have like, we have a clubhouse and pool and gym and it is pretty amazing. Our clubhouse, I'll send you a picture. Our clubhouse is so legit. Like, I'm like, what is this? Like, this is amazing. We have like old school, like Pac-Man and like, um, like a game with pool and uh, like, it looks like a coffee bar. Yes. It's super cool. Um, okay. So mansion or apartment. I love that. It's like the opposite end spectrum. This is is awesome. Okay. And then what did you want to be when you grew up? I was going to be a doctor. Which I'm Yeah. I was going to be a pediatric pulmonologist because my, one of my brothers, uh, was born with a congenital lung issue or two congenital lung issues. And he was born when I was seven and it was like miraculous that he lived and he ended up having uh, a lung surgery when he was nine to remove half of his left lung because all of it just sort of snowballed. Um, so he's like a walking miracle. And so I was going to a lot of his appointments with him and I really loved his doctor is like a world renowned pediatric pulmonologist. And I was like, I'm just going to be him. I am not him, but that's what I was going to be. Wait, but when you were little and like they, you know, you'd fill out those like things in school and they'd be like, would you like pediatric pulmonologist? Yes. That's yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yes, That's exactly. Um, Okay. And where were you going to live? I was going to live in Chicago. I was going to, and I I actually ended up going to school for like a semester in Chicago, but ended up coming back to the Twin Cities. But I was going to live in Chicago because it was like the nearest huge city. Right. Uh, And I like, I could see myself doing New York, but I was like, I think that's like a bit much for me. So I'm going to do this like Midwest version of that. Um, It was either that or I was going to be living in Europe. I was going to say, see you later, America. Go I live in Kenya or something. Yeah. But I wanted to like do service with my, cause my parents were like very mission oriented. So I was okay. like, I'm obviously going to do that. So I was going to like help babies with their lungs and other parts <laughs> of the world. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. And who were you going to, who was going to join you on this? Who were you going to marry? Um, Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> 
when you were gonna, I'm gonna say something. I, you, I'm, you're just a fascinating human. I know, I know, multifaceted. I know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Okay, okay. Um, You froze a little bit, but our audio is good. So I'm gonna keep going. Also, the picture it froze on is beautiful. Yeah, I'm gonna just take a picture. (laughs) It's like stunningly (laughs) model, beautiful. And you're already beautiful, but like most people freeze and they're like cross-eyed with one eye, like, and, and like that. That's usually what look, happens to me. <laughs> no, you look gorgeous. Like yeah, if you need yeah, a it looks like your picture. Um, okay, so let's let's kind of set the stage. So you actually sent went, so we do a little um like one sheet with all of our guests and ask them, and we only ask for a sentence because we really want to go on the journey with you and mm-hmm. with our listeners. Um, and you said crushed moment was probably the death of my dad when I was 16 or the slow death of my dream to be a doctor over the course of my undergraduate career, uh-huh. which is really interesting because on two fronts, because one, your brother's a miracle and you wanted to go into pediatric pulmonology. I hope I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. I'm not a science person. Um, so that, and that's really interesting kind of, and the slowness of it. Um, but yeah. And then also losing your father. So, I mean, take it away. However you would, this is your time to shine. (laughs) I could do it chronologically. Okay. So my dad died first. Okay. Uh, that happened when I was 16, almost 17, Mm. uh, the summer in between, uh, my sophomore and junior year of high school. Wow. And so, like I said, I'm the oldest, I have two brothers and a sister and, uh, I was very close with my father, like very close. Uh, and we shared a lot of the same interests, like very sciencey, mm-hmm. like really liked that, but liked it because it helped us to understand uh, the, the universe, like helped mm-hmm. us understand like our place in it and like who God is. Like the science was a way to like understand more about God. So we would have these really intense conversations about evolution and like the creation narrative. And okay, so how do I, what, what is this? Or uh, my dad went to Kenya as a missionary and that's where he met my mom. And so asking him like, how did you, how could you do that? And then how could you leave that? And now you live this life. How can you, how could you step away from all of that? So I was asking him these like very intense questions, like who is God? Like, why do we have to believe in him? And what happens if I don't? And God knows everything. So does he already know who I'm going to marry and what my life is going to look like? And if I have free, like asking him these very intense questions, you know, very normal. <laughs> very well, normal. how incredible also that you had freedom. I mean, you know, we've talked to varying people on the show and, and that have come from varying faith or non-faith backgrounds. And mm-hmm. I think, I think there's something so beautiful about the freedom to be like, I don't know or why, or that's not fair or. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool because like, I a cradle Catholic and I mean, I think I'm at the point in my life where I'm struggling the most with everything, but I think mm. that's because I'm a mom, I'm a wife. I'm like, I'm the person I turn to now, you know? Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. And so that my, cause my kids are going to come to me and now I'm like, Oh, I have to have answers. Cause they're going to start asking me questions. Like I was asking my dad, you know, mm. but it was really, that really helped me, um, set a really good foundation for me to feel free to ask questions or to, I don't know, explore it, that it was something worth exploring not just something that was just handed to me. Like here are the list of things you believe. Good luck. Mm. Um, 
and my siblings all have very differing because we have different personalities. So they don't necessarily have the same experience with that as I do. But that was sort of the background of what was happening uh, when I was 16. I had just gone on my first mission trip and I came back very angry about it. I think this is when my like idea of mission trips started to really degrade. Mm. <laughs> like I went, I ended up going on a few more, uh, but I, I had such a internal struggle with it where I, it felt just wrong um, mm. to just drop into these people's lives and then leave. Um, and so I was talking to him a lot about that because he's like, well, that's why I stayed in Kenya for two years, you know, and that's why we keep going back to Kenya, you know, because mm. he didn't want to be like that. So the summer, like the July of, 20, of 2007, basically every night that I was home, we would be in the backyard around the fire pit until one, two in the morning talking. Wow. And it was, I had this like very conscious moment where I was like, our relationship is moving from I'm a child into you're trusting me with bigger information. You're, you're, you believe something in me, you know, and he was my confirmation teacher. And so I could ask, I felt like even more freedom within that to like explore it. Um, so we were hosting uh, dinner guests from, we were hosting uh, priests from Kenya uh, to do mission appeals. So uh, my dad worked in a different part of the metro and was gonna swing by a, another part of the metro to pick up a, a guest to come to where we lived. And uh, I was in marching band and I had marching band practice. Uh, and in the morning he would usually drop me off but there was a boy and I didn't wanna to talk to my dad about the boy yet. So I did not come downstairs that morning. And my dad like very intentionally, I could hear him like standing at the base of the steps, like listening to see if I was going to come downstairs. And I was like frozen. I was like, I'm not, I don't want you to come up here. And so then he <laughs> left for work. So I did not say goodbye to him that morning. And so then the boy, spoiler alert, did not end up with the boy. He is not my husband. <laughs> it was so Mark Ruffalo and you didn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, so he, we, I went to March Man, came back home, dove into the seventh Harry Potter and uh, my mom comes upstairs from the basement and it's like six, a little after six um, on August 1st. And she's like, a bridge collapsed in Minneapolis and your dad's not answering his phone. And I was like, okay. I was like, those two things don't have anything to do with each other. I was like, I'll just call him. Okay. So I call him. He doesn't answer. And so I go right back to reading, but then it's like, it got stuck in my head where I was like, okay, there's a problem here. I need to fix it. And my mom is panicking and the whole family's downstairs, like watching the news. So I finally go down about an hour later and I see it and I'm like, oh, uh, but I still didn't think that, I still didn't think that he was on it. I didn't understand mm. my mom's timeline because it was very, she was traumatized, you know, so I didn't, yeah. didn't really know what was going on. Um, so I just kept like, I left him a message. I was like, mom thinks that mom said a bridge collapsed and you're not answering your phone so can you call her back like stop being a weirdo like <laughs> so it's like a very 16 year old Justina message and then like a couple hours later it was like the dad this is not funny you need to you need to answer but then after a certain amount of time his phone stopped ringing altogether and what ended up happening is that we had a bunch of people end up basically staying at our house like round the clock for the next month um they found his vehicle that he was in on the 7th of August. 
and then um, because it's the Mississippi River, it fell into the Mississippi River, and it's the river. That river is gross. It's so murky. Uh, so they had to have Navy SEAL divers come in to like read license plates with their fingers and like to find people and uh, look through cars and stuff. And then on the ninth is when they found him. And they found him uh, in a different vehicle than his uh, on our family minivan, like the license, the, the seatbelt had been torn. Like they could tell that he had gotten out. Um, and some of his personal effects were even like on the shoreline, if I'm remembering correctly. So he had gotten out, but he was found in a different vehicle with his, uh, from the waist up in the back passenger side window um, with his arms like extended towards a child's car seat. There was a 22 month old child in the car seat and her mother um, who was very young. She was in her, she's like 23, 24 years old. Um, and she was five months pregnant. And the real kicker for all of that was that she's Somali and like my mom is Kenyan. So it's like this like East African thing just sort of all wrapped up for him. But he, it was very clear that he was trying to help all of them. But they were all found together. Mm. Gosh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So wow I think what I just keep like coming back to is the gift of those times in the fire pit with your dad mm -hmm. but also your anger I just I can't even imagine oh, yeah. where you because your anger coming back from that missions trip and yeah. then you're having all these questions and now this happens like I just can't even imagine as a 16 year old you're already got so many things going on I I just can't wow yeah, 16 on its own is insane. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. a very, that's a, like, very challenging time of life, you know. Um, and then to have that, I, I paused that existential crisis for a, a few years. Yeah. Um, and, then, but I mean, that, you, you can't, you can't keep that trapped for that long because it, it started to ooze out. And that's what happened in college is, like, it started to ooze out because that first year, it was like I was running a PR campaign. Like it was very tough. That first year was terrible. But what no one talks about is like what happens after you get past all the firsts. Like once you, what's that second birthday without him like? What's that yeah. second Christmas without him like? What's what's August seventh two thousand? What's August second two thousand eight like? The day yeah. after the first year, you know, um, no one talks about that. And so then that's when it all started. Like my I I was sick a lot my my senior year because all the stress of it like caught up with me. Yeah. Um, ended up in the hospital at one point because I was so sick. Like it was, it, my body was carrying all this stress, um, but still wanting to be this like very high achieving, graduating on the top of my class. Like I was just running myself into the ground. So that when I got to college, I was like, this is unsustainable. Um, I very quickly sort of realized that I wasn't passionate about, I was passionate about helping people, um, but medicine like itself, like I've, I love biology. I love neuroscience. I love psychology. I love all of that, but like I couldn't do it. And I was trying so hard to do the like Ochem. Everyone talks about organic chemistry as being like hell on earth. And it is. My husband, uh, he failed it. That's why he stopped I pursuing. I barely passed it. Yeah. 
I barely passed it. And it was that my sophomore year of college taking OCHEM one and OCHEM two. And I had these books I, that I'd found online that were so silly. They were, uh, what was the title? It was like organic chemistry as a second language or something. Like okay. it was where it broke down very basic things as though you were like a five-year-old learning how to speak Spanish. And it helped me so that I could take the final exam and get out of there, but it didn't, I, this was never, it was very clear to me that I was like living out someone else's idea of what I should do. Because once I had said as a seven-year-old, I'm gonna be this kind of doctor. Everyone was like, okay, that's it. That's what she's doing. That's it. And you're smart. So obviously you could do it because that's all smart people can just be doctors. Cause that's just how it works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Plus then you factor in the fact that my mom is from Kenya. So you have the whole immigrant parent dynamic where like she wants good and good high achieving things for me. So then if I don't become the doctor, then what, you know? So I really like, I tried really hard, especially for, for her sake. Uh, Cause I knew how much it meant to her. But I just, I remember having this like very intense heart to heart with her where I was like, mom, this is not happening. I cannot, I'm dying here. I can't do Mm -hmm. it. Um, And what was her response in that? uh, You'll do it eventually. (laughs) You're going to go back to school and you'll do something eventually. And I was like, excuse me, (laughs) who are you? What are you saying to me right now? Like you go take OCHEM then, you go take biochem then. Like, and then we'll talk. Uh, so that was that was tough, um, and like made for a very. I got like all sorts of weird comments from people that thought that I was like giving up on because I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pursue ministry then because I worked in ministry and I mm-hmm. didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like, I'm not doing this forever. This is not my like into the sunset. This is like this is not it for me, but I needed something to do. I needed to make money, so I went into ministry, and. Then I, when I finally started dating my now husband. Wait, can I just say, I needed something to do. So I went into ministry. It's yeah. like, I needed to make money. Like that's, just, I need to make money. So I went into ministry. ministry. You know, that's where all the money is. Well, <laughs> that's actually, there's a lot of pastors there. that would be like, yeah, I have three private planes. There's a lot yeah. of money in ministry. Yes. Not, the not Osteen's the, like, ba-bam. Yes. <laughs> not in campus ministry at the University of Minnesota. <laughs> um, and that was a very hard job, very demanding job, did not get paid enough, but, um, I mean, it set me up for where I am now. So I don't, I don't regret it, but, mm-hmm. um, that was really, that was hard. And I felt I had a lot of like shame about this is what I thought I was going to be. And this is what everyone had expected of me that expected wow. these great things from me. And I remember there had been a conversation with a family friend and my mom and my brother about like a, like a, a comment of concern about me that I was just going to go get married and just have kids. And that that was what my life was going to amount to. And just like this concern that I was throwing my life away or like, giving up or something. And this is especially heinous because she is saying this to my mother who is a stay-at-home mom. Like, mm. or I'm like, this is not landing the way that you think it is. And obviously they're going to tell me because like my mm-hmm. family's mad loyal. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so like if someone slanders me, like they're going to come running to me and be like, hello, mm. here's what was said about you. I realize now that like, it was just because they had thought so much that this 
dream I had was that I was giving up on my dream. I was like, no, that's not my dream anymore. That might've been my thing when I was you know, 14, 15 years old, that would have been a really great, but I know a lot more now. And I know about what I want to do and what healing, like what kind of healing I would like to provide now. Mm. And, and at that point I didn't realize what I was, I didn't know I was going to end up here, like going into marriage and family therapy, but like, I just really wanted to focus on having a healthy home, you know, cause I knew what, it, I knew what it looked like when that all falls apart. So I'm like, I don't think it's a bad thing that I want to focus on this. Um, yeah, I think, but I, oh, sorry, there's still like, ahead. there's still just, I still just have like, even now, like combat that like insecurity at like my friends who I, in undergrad that were also on the same pre-med track. And then they ended up becoming doctors. They ended up becoming dentists. They ended up like doing these things and I didn't. And I, I don't know, every once in a while, like, it'll just like, Ugh, just really get me. Um, Aaron, tell me if you kind of sometimes feel this way too. Um, we haven't fully shared what's going on with Aaron and like her, she's been having some big kind of similar to what you're talking about. And, and I've had that as well. And um, there's something like, it's so interesting because they're so full. There's such a, like a richness about what you just shared. You're, you're crush stories because it is, it's this kind of like, path of all these different things coming together of, you know, when you were seven and wanting to heal and help and then going on this mission trip and then the anger and the frustrations and then asking these big questions with your father and then losing your father and the trauma. And then, you know, there's just, it's so rich and, and, um, but, and I think going back to like the, the identity that we have created for ourselves and that other people have created and these dreams um, it is really hard to untie those. Yes. And it is really hard to say, stop, maybe this isn't what I want anymore. Oh my gosh. As a black woman mm. going into a STEM field. Mm. And then I say, no, Oof. like the, the like raised brows that I got, like, are you serious? Like, mm. are you, it was almost as though I had like the accusation was almost like I had like taken my entire, that entire sect of America and like thrown them back 50 years or something. Like, Ugh. like the, that was like the amount of pressure that I, I was just resigning to just be a stay, a stay at home mom. I'm like, I'm young and have the energy to do it right now. So I'm going to do it right now. It doesn't mean that I'm done. And like, I obviously did not know with, at any point in, that, in this that I was going to have quadruplets. But if these end up being our only kids, I'm an empty nester at 44. I have a whole lot of life ahead of me hmm. after that, you know? And I just, I, I totally resent this idea. It's like, we have to have it all figured out when we're in our twenties. I'm like, I was so excited to turn 30 last year. Oh my gosh. Because I was, I was so sick of being stuck in that. Like your twenties are just filled, filled with this. Like I have to figure out who I am and I have to figure it out now. And I have to have it all figured out by the time I'm 30. And I'm like, I just want to get to like, 30s were no like people are a lot more chill on this mm. side <laughs> um, and I felt like I'd had so much life experience that like I felt like I'd already earned 30 when I was 26 I had four kids at 26 like I'm just like mm, so excited to turn 30. I feel like there's a lot of tension between sort of what I would consider our age generation who are really pushing back against this idea that like you have kids and then your entire life ends and then it doesn't start again until you retire 
And I feel like that this retirement generation is so angry at us for figuring that out Mm -hmm. because that's all they were taught. And so they've just like kept their heads down and we just don't want to live like that. And we're pushing against pushing back against sort of this workplace idea that your entire life is just to work towards retirement. We're like, no, I don't want to do that. That sounds awful. Like we watched our parents do that. You know what I mean? And it, yeah. And it broke them. (laughs) Like they have to show for it except for bitterness, you know, and and that's not like the universal experience, but like, there's a lot of bitterness and resentment. I didn't want to be stuck doing something because I should do it. And because it would make me a lot of money, but I'm like, if I hate myself and if I'm breaking myself to satisfy a whole bunch of other people, what's the point? I also I just think become an empty shell. Yeah. I also think circling back to kind of what Kirsten said earlier, like you're sort of untying these. It almost is harder to realize that it's something you could untie because it's been so solid in your brain. Like, okay, I'm going to be a doctor. That's what I'm going to do. So you start feeling miserable and you're like, no, it can't be that thing. Like that's always been, you know what I mean? And then you're like, you have that moment where it's like, oh, maybe that's, that's the issue. Yeah. Oh, it's terrifying. Cause then once you say, okay, well, it's not that, then it's like, well, then what is it? You know, because that's been everything's worked towards that thing. Like and all the money spent. Yeah, I like interned. I I interned. I shadowed doctors as a high schooler and a college student. Like I, everything that I had done was like working towards that. Mm -hmm. And when I like told my family, I was like, I'm not taking. I'm not going to sit for the MCAT. I don't want to do it. Uh, Then it was like, so you're gonna do it next year. Like, <laughs> so later? <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm struck with this because I think there's so many people that go through this, whether it's medicine or sports. I, I just think about like, oh my gosh, the Olympians, you know, oh they gosh. work so hard to get a place, especially like elite gymnasts. I'm watching the Peacock documentary and these girl, mm-hmm. these young girls and like, 14, 15, 16, 17, and they're working for the thing their entire life. And, you know, I mean, I told everybody I was going to be a famous actress and that was got me through, you know, really hard times and bullying. I was like, they'll wait and see, they'll see. And it was such a, I took a video um, before we moved to New York and Aaron and I were just talking about this, this, I don't remember what year, but I was in LA and I had a Coke bottle, like a, like an actual bottle that I had taped this thing. And I said, I bought this on the night of the Oscars in like 2003 or something. And I won't drink this until I win my Oscar. And it was on every shelf for years. And I had to like, I had a moment when we were in uh, Phoenix about to move to New York. So this was like four or five years ago. I had a moment where I was like, I'm not going to win an Oscar. And I don't know if I want to. Mm. And very similar to what you were saying, like I had so much healing that I needed to do because the desires that were there came from a really very similar to you. And obviously medicine and acting are very different, but like they came from a really pure place, Mm -hmm. but they had been mixed up with like other people's view of me, how I, and, and I didn't even have all the other weight of, um, you know, first generation and, and there's just so much more compounded with yours. I I can't even imagine. I'm just like in awe right now, but I opened that bottle and I went to drink it and it was disgusting. (laughs) And then it was so gross. And Bradley took a video and then I dumped it out in the sink and I, I cried, but I was like, I have to let this go. 
And I, I have to be okay with, for me, it felt like I was a failure because I didn't choose that in a lot of ways. It was chosen for me. And I, I mean, I did, but there was a lot of it that was chosen for me. I think what's really fascinating is I am going back literally like as we speak on Sunday, I'm getting my head, my new headshots taken, but it's a different, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like really different now. Yeah. It doesn't feel like my identity and mm-hmm. you're going back too, but you're going back in a very different way of using your intelligence and your talents and your drive and your, like your longing or, or desire to heal or help the healing process. And I think that there's something really beautiful in your acknowledgement of, I want to have a healthy family. And I think that was part of a big deal for me. And I don't want to keep making the same mistakes and watch and of like needing validation and having my kids watch that. I I need to like break this cycle and really heal. Um, Anyway, all that to say, I'm just in awe of your story and where you're at. You don't want your dreams to haunt you you want them to motivate you so like at a certain point like that bottle was like haunting you Mm. and like reminding you of all the things you didn't do you know and instead to like there came a point for me where I I was like okay what is this thing that I want to do what is what do I want to do because I toyed around with going to nursing school you know um but I was like, am I still doing that just to satisfy this? Like it has to be in this field and this thing. And, mm. but then I was like, that was haunting me. It wasn't motivating me. So then I didn't do it. That's how I knew I didn't want to do these things. Cause I was never taking the prereqs. I was never looking at programs and seriously, I was never reaching out to anyone. I was never going to any info sessions. But then once I landed on like marriage and family therapy, I was like, do, 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 typing my essay, like getting my letters of recommendation. I was doing all of it. I was like, oh, turns out I want to do this. And I think what's so beautiful about that. And I know we need to move into questions. First of all, that will be a quote, what you just said. That will be yeah, our visual was, quote. I was like, okay, uh, that, there it is. Write that down. <laughs> I think what's so beautiful about that is that it goes back to that like seed that was planted when you were seven. It goes back to those moments, those, those traumatizing, heartbreaking, beautiful moments. It's not that the dream is the wrong dream, right? It's that we get older and we're growing and it's changing. It's growing with us. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people, myself included, cling to something because we think it's going to fix us. And thank God it didn't because it would have never, and I would have been in way worse shape. And I'm so grateful that I've been so humbled because I can look at the situation and be like, I want to be healthy. Yeah. And that's more important to me than checking off these boxes, you know, and I want a healthy family. I'm just I just, I'm so excited about this interview. This is so good. <laughs> can, can I ask a question? And it, yeah. it's a little heavy. So if you don't want to answer it, that's totally fine. I feel like healing from the sort of trauma of losing a parent, especially in a publicly sort of tragic event, you're also holding on to those little pieces that you shared with that person, which I feel like in that sense, you were like, but I told him I would do this thing. Yeah. Was there a level of almost having to reheal when you decided that you weren't going to do that thing anymore? Yeah. Um, grief is like this living thing, you know, that it's, it grows and moves and changes with you. Um, and never just like goes away. And like you, that's one of the things I noticed as I, as I got older, is that like, oh, as I come to a different, like 
marker in life or if I change direction, I'm always like looking back on him and like thinking, would he recognize me? Like if he bumped into me, would he recognize me? Would he be disappointed in me? What does he think? What would he think of me doing this now? Or what would he think of what I, what my beliefs are now? Like, what would he think of like the place that I've arrived at? Um, The truth is like, he has in, he has in his own way informed a lot of what I have done, but there's, you know, I have that, that very visceral living fear of like disappointing my mom because she can tell me to my face if I, if I have disappointed her, but I don't have that from my dad. I also can't bounce things off. Like I can't in the same way, like being a Catholic, I'm like, okay, you're somewhere and I can talk to you about this. Uh, and he's, he's a part of my everyday as much as I can make him be, but he's still, you know, 47 years old and I'm still in that scenario. I'm still like 16 and it's hard being like 30 and he's 47 and like having that conversation, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, something, and I'll, then we can move to the questions. Something I just had this, like when you asked that Aaron, which was so beautiful and then I was just thinking like, you know, something I love about being Catholic is death is talked about and it's honored and it's beautiful as horrible and as it is. It's, mm-hmm. it, there's like two, we're living in the the gray, the nuance of it. Yes. And I just think about um, how your father died was he was lifting mm-hmm. and you are honoring him by lifting what you're going to be doing um, with families, what you chose to do in healing yourself and healing and, and what you're going to be doing for families is literally, literally he was lifting a family. And, um, I just am like, I just see him so proud of you. And so, um, I don't know. I just have this vision of him and then you and this guy. I just thought of um, Prince William and Prince Harry with the um, <laughs> statue and them unveiling yeah. the statue and how, how she's standing there with those two kids and yeah. what Harry's doing. Um, and also William, but whatever, what Harry's doing. And I just, <laughs> um, I just see you and I see what you're the next step and what you're stepping into is just such an honor and um, just a, you're just giving so much life. So, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. Um, so anyway, <laughs> Aaron, do you want to ask a question? <laughs> yeah, I'll give you a sec. <laughs> oh, okay. God, I hope this is still recording. I mean, it is, but I always get so scared. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, <laughs> um, if you could tell your 12-year-old self anything, what would it be? To honor the to honor what drives me and to mm. uh, stop living in a way that uh, satisfies other people. Like who, who is this about? This is about like, I'm a daughter of God and you know, I want to honor God and I want everything I do to honor God. Um, I also want to make my parents proud, but I also need to honor myself. And I spent entirely too long, like entirely too big of a chunk of my life uh, trying to honor other people's ideas of me or trying to fit into whatever mold someone had made for me. Like this example is so weird, but, and it's not from when I was 12. This is from like last 
fall, but <laughs> Meg, like it was from yesterday, but still <laughs> yesterday, Meg Hunter Kilmer was here and I went to lunch with her and we were talking about Enneagram and temperaments and all this stuff. And I, uh, was like, oh yeah, I'm a choleric sanguine. She's like, you're not sanguine. I was like, this is our, this is like the second time I've met you in person. You're my <laughs> online friend. What are you talking about? She's like, you're melancholic. And she like listed off, like, she's like, you just told me a story about how you're holding on to this thing. She's like, you feel deeply. And I was like, I always have, like, I always have, but people had assigned this like life of the party sort of persona to be. And that was also the easiest way to get through all the grief was to make people laugh so that they would stop crying at me. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I'm laughing and I'm making people laugh, then obviously I'm okay, you know? (laughs) And so, so I spent too much of my life, like just trying to make everyone be okay with who I was instead of me being okay with who I was. Now that I'm, you know, 30 now, um, I say that like, it's such a monumental thing, but it It really was like, it really was such a like, oh, finally, like felt like I crossed like some sort of finish line. Um, But just like a a security with who I am. And, you know, if something doesn't jive with me, I like, I back away from it. Cause I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, I I don't have to do this. Um, Mm. Who is this about? Like, why am I serving someone else who, clearly doesn't care about me because they can't see that this thing is not for me you know Mm. the 12 year old me if I had figured that out there would have been fewer boyfriends or just higher quality ones (laughs) Um. (laughs) oh gosh I feel that (laughs) yeah just better friend groups and you know more stability but it's all part of the journey Mm. going to your humor note my therapist one time, just like halfway through a session, like clicked her pen and put it down. And she goes, is it important to you that people think you're funny? And I was like, first of all, how dare you? Second of all, I, isn't it, I was like, isn't it everyone's? And then she was like, no. And I was I like, oh. melted into the couch, like <laughs> melted into the couch. Justine, when you were just talking, I literally was crying. I was like, oh, um, <laughs> <that's fine. laughs> I'm fine. I, I, she's not, I'm not being attacked. Right now. It's <laughs> Okay. And our our last question is what was your crush song? What was the song when you were like really going through it? Mm, Okay. I have two options here. One is is one of them the theme song from Jaws. Jaws. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, it could have been. (laughs) Things are coming, girl. Uh, No, uh, Fix You from Coldplay because I was a big Coldplay nerd. uh, yeah, but fix you as that entire album. Like I could play on. I did. Wasn't that repeat. wait? Wasn't that my husband's whose story was also not being a doctor? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are we I married? Like, did I, like, I marry? <laughs> I was listening to his to his episode. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> this is too weird. Uh, yeah, and but wow. my other one is uh, keep breathing by uh Ingrid Michaelson from like, it was on Grey's Anatomy yeah and it, Meredith is a piece of work you know um so that one just a guaranteed cry have you me. read Shonda Rhimes year of yes no no it's like Aaron's it's like Aaron's it's my everything Ooh. you should read it and if not for her like I mean I think I know a lot of people find Shonda Rhimes really controversial. I think she's amazing, but she gives so much detail about how she built the characters in Grey's Anatomy. Mm. 
it's so and why she picked certain songs for certain moments and like oh it's amazing if you're a Grey's Anatomy fan but I also yeah. just think it's an incredible Grey's Anatomy is like a drug I can't quit where I'm like what why am I watching this if you're but like season when's 25 the <laughs> when's the next episode yeah who are any of these people when more plane crashes yeah. when I got when I got the audition it was 2012 I had auditioned for them one or two other times, but when I got the audition, it was 2012. And I was like, this show is still on. <laughs> that was 2012. One of my best friends is on it right now. What? Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> wait, you know, I was on it, right? No, what? It's an iconic episode too. Cause the best part is whenever I tell people about her episode, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so uh, my pet lion attacked my boyfriend. Shut up. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> this is fantastic. This is going oh so well. Oh my gosh. Do you know what's funny? In every show that Kirsten's ever been in, there's always one line that's just like trapped in my head. Cause you know, the one from Bones I say all the time. And then the other the one children is- children are all right. Uh, no, it's the children are a blessing. Oh, that's the one. My friend will <laughs> just- my friend will just text my friend, Sarah, who will be on the show. She'll just text me that sometimes. She hasn't done it in a long time, but it makes me laugh so much. Oh but the God. one from that Grey's episode is when you go, that's how he plays. <laughs> I'm going to go through your IMDb and watch every single thing you've ever been in. Well, it's going to be real short because usually it's like, hi, how are you? <laughs> yeah, you but even just neighbors. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, Justina. I know Aaron. Aaron, go. Run, it's 12 o'clock. Go. No, or it's nine. Oh, it's nine. Oh, you're at 10. Guys, East Coast <clears throat> and Central and- Juggling Pacific. so many time so zones many. here. I, that's why I couldn't figure out why you were rushing. And I was like, wow, we are really trying to stick to the schedule this season. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Aaron, go, go move your car. No, it'll be okay. Oh, Justina, this was like, Bradley just asked me. He said, hey, how's recording going? And I said- well, I meant to say maybe the best episode ever, but my quick fingers said may e the beat episode ever, but I hope he put two and two together. I think he's a smart guy. He failed organic chemistry, but I really think he's <laughs> I hey, failed. That does not define you. <laughs> no, and by the way, by the way, I think I said this in his episode, I don't remember, but so I was a musical theater major with a concentration in elementary education. I had to take what's called baby bio or bio for dancers. I didn't, that's all I had to take. Oh, we had rocks for jocks. It was geology yeah. 101. And it was, <laughs> it's supposed to be a fly bird. Like it's supposed to, you get an A. Yeah. I got a D. Oh girl. I couldn't, so it was all, thank you. You're like, oh, Sorry. sweetie. It was all multiple choice. I went and like had extra time with the professor and she's like, you know this, you're so, you, you know this backwards and forwards, but multiple choice every month. I can't do it. I can convince myself that it's, I'm like, well, yeah, it's definitely B, but they're trying to trick you. Trying, yes. And I can yeah. figure out, but if you give me like, just give me short form answer. Oh gosh. She came back to me and she was like, well, the final you got a D. <laughs> Ouchie. Ouchie. And she was like, I don't understand it. And I was like, I do. I shouldn't <laughs> ever be in the science field. <laughs> Although I'm really fascinated by science and I like it, but yeah. Ouchie indeed. So when Bradley's like, I failed organic chemistry, I was like, I failed biology for dancers. So yeah. <laughs> so same thing, same thing. Same thing. <laughs> oh, this is, thank you. Like, seriously, yeah. I've I've, I think I cried more in this episode than I've ever cried. I was yeah. like trying so hard. I was like, keep them tucked. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
look like an actress from the 40s who like has the wig pull. So their face looks like this. They're like, okay. <laughs> I'm not crying. <laughs> I'm back. This mm-hmm. was so rich. I know I already used that word, but it is <laughs> the best kind of rich. Um, not the stupid money kind. Um, <laughs> stupid people flying off to the moon, whatever. Yeah. Um, just thank you. Thank you so much. And um, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this podcast. It uh, reminds me of, uh, there's this other one that I've been a fan of since it started. It's called Terrible Thanks for Asking. And it's like the same sort of thing where they talk yeah. about hard things. Yeah. Um, and I just, I really, maybe this is like why I want to go into this field. I, I Grieving is so important. And it's something that like, I feel like we just don't, we don't do well and we don't do well like publicly and so being able to talk about the hard things and being like shrug emoji like that happened and like it doesn't necessarily need to be like all wrapped up and perfect afterwards either like it could just be like that was really terrible and now I'm over here and I don't know what's coming next um because that's more often than not what happens like Mm. if I'd had this conversation with you a year ago I wouldn't have known that I was gonna go to school yet like I would have been like maybe I will but like you know, things just, it all just sort of falls into place if it's supposed to, I guess. I think also what's so fascinating, and I swear I'll wrap this up, but like what's so fascinating about all of this is I had no idea what you were going to talk about. Literally. When I sent that one sheet, I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. And I had no idea when you sent me the two, the two sentence thing. It wasn't like I, so it was just like going on this roller coaster of of emotion and like your life story is so powerful. And I think, you know, we had, we had people write in, um, we asked them who they wanted to see for season two. And one person just said, I just want to hear from regular voices, like just not people with followings and, and because everybody has a story and it's so true. And my hope is an Aaron's hope for the show and, or this, this podcast is that we highlight all kinds of different stories mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's how we grow in community and relationship. And I think that's how we see, you know, I I think so many times it's, we can just put other people in boxes and be like, oh, that's them. That's, you know, Father Greg Boyle and with Homeboys talks about, there's no us in them, there's just us. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's, it's so easy and it, it feels more comfortable to be like, that's them over there whatever that, that is them, right? It can be anything. It could be a political, a faith, a a geographical, um, a a temperament, an emotional, whatever. And I, I just love that we're bringing so many different people's stories and it's so surprising. Yeah. I've had, I've had something in common or like learned some new insight about myself from every single episode that you've had. Mm. Like, even if it was something where I was like, that's never been my, you guys talk about LA. I've never been to LA, but I'm like, Oh, I can relate. Like there's something about this that makes sense in my tiny universe over here. Mm. Um, that we have, we just have a lot more in common than we think. And yeah, we're one big human family. Mm. Well, thanks for being part of our yeah. human family. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me guys. You're welcome. Awesome. Thank you. Bye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.